I would say that there is dream logic in this, where the 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 where reality is acting more like a dream than than the reality that we're sort of taught in by our parents in the New York Times in the high school science class. That reality is much richer and much more complicated and much stranger. And so what we're what I feels like is that this is this feels more like a dream. Like the, the symbol on the door, there's the door right there. You can kind of see it in the background. The symbol on the door is is like it's vague and it has to be sort of percolated through my consciousness. And I'm good at seeing like paradelia. I'm really good. Like I, I'm an illustrator. Like I can see funny things in grains of, in woods. I can see bunny rabbits in clouds. I like can see manhole covers that look like someone smiling and stuff like that. So that's, that's in me. That happens all the time for me. Um, so, so like it's causation, right? So did the dream, excuse me, I called it a dream, which is so funny. I do that all the time. Did the hypnosis session foreshadow or predict this door where I would eventually be living that I stare at when I sit up in bed? Did the hypnosis session like predict that? Right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Hi, everyone. So glad to have you join me today for a show that I know you are going to find extraordinary. I mean, you know, when you're listening to Higher Journeys or watching Higher Journeys, we we go there, we go to the enigmatic, we go to uh, the, the mysterious, but we go there with uh, an intention in mind, and that is to try to understand the nature of reality. And uh, what better person to have on today, a returning guest, to, to probe a little bit into the nature of reality than Mike Cleland. So delighted to have him back. I can't believe, Mike, it's been, we're going on two years since you were last on at the beginning of the world turning upside down and getting a bit wonky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, and not that it's relented any, but that's not what we're going to be focusing on today, folks. I'll tell you, we are going to be talking about something called pareidolia. Have you heard of it? Pareidolia essentially is this tendency uh, to see images in otherwise random patterns. You know, it's interesting, Mike and I were talking offline. And um, if you look it up, if you basically Google pareidolia, right, it's it's considered almost like a, a, a dysfunction or a condition. And I'm, I'm going to challenge that. And I hope uh, Mike will join me in challenging that it's much more than meets the eye, pun intended. So first, welcome back, Mike Cleland. I'm so glad to have you. It's my honor. Always great to chat. And of course, you know, we got to make believe we just started the conversation. Now, you know, we've been chatting it up, guys. About uh, a half hour, yeah. About, about a half, half hour or so. So we figured we better turn on the record button and, and let you in on what we've been discussing. Other things too, but let's talk pareidolia. Here's how the, the let me set the stage for, for y'all. Here's how it all started. I went to Mike's great website. We'll make sure we have a link. It's a blog spot. Uh, where he updates uh, every now and again with his own sojourns. And uh, I believe it was December of this past December, where you had a vision in your bedroom door that was essentially, you know, the wood grain. I think I'm going to put up an image right about now. We'll do that in post of what looked like two owls Mm -hmm. and two, we'll call them ET beings behind them or below them. Um, let's use it as a jumping off point. And when I saw, and I think you titled this, um, uh, owls, aliens, pareidolia, I thought, oh, perfect. This is, I, I love it. Cause I've always loved, in fact, I've talked about the pareidolia thing, uh, on the history channel and the proof is out there, but we're going to take it even deeper here. Tell us about that story first, and then we'll go from there, Mike. What, uh, what did you see? How did you see it? Well, I'm just in my, the, I'm in my bedroom, which is also my office. I have a, uh, if I sit up in bed and I look across the door, there's the the door here. Can I, my can I kind of turn the thing? The door is actually right. There's not much to see, but that's the door right there. There's nothing to see in this, in the video here, but you know, it's got this wood grain in it. And I just moved to this place and, and 
and with it didn't take, I just was right there. It was right there. You don't have to squint your eyes to see it. There are two owls and they are kind of eerily rising up like so one owl here, one owl here. And then below them are two what look sure like gray aliens with big eyes and kind of bulbous heads. And 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 the owls are sort of mystically rising out of the way the wood grain kind of traces out these these kind of cartoony owls are seem to be emerging or rising from these aliens. And I was like, oh God, this is like, this is my, this is the core of my research. This is <laughs> this is this is stuff that plagues me and follows me around. So there it is, like on the door. Like I don't have to, I don't have to squint to see it. And and I feel like it's there. Like you can't, like once you see it, you can't unsee it. And and I and I was like, oh crap, like, like here it is, like the thing. So I so I just like it was funny, you know, it was like kind of a as far as like I don't know what you'd call it, like a synchronicity or just a coincidence or or I mean it's obviously just wood grain, right? So there's really nothing there, but there's really nothing there in a Rorschach test either. And you know, in a in a psychologist can show someone a Rorschach test and people can say, Oh, I see a butterfly or I see, you know, uh, you know, an angel or something like that in, in these ink blots. So the uh and for the image that I created, I did do some Photoshop. So there's one image, I guess it would be or this one. There's one image that has, um, that I just take the contrast on the photograph and just turned it up a tiny bit just to, to highlight the wood grain. So, and then, but not much. And then the other one, I heavily, I put a layer over it and then I kind of erased the owl and then the, the, um, the, alien beings from the layer. So what you're seeing is basically a highlighted version. So I did that and it was, and I just put it up on the site and then someone got back to me almost right away and said, well, that's your, that's your, your store. That's what emerged out of a hypnosis you're the owl session guy, you did. Right? Everyone well, one, I'm the owl guy and they're following me around all the time anyway, follow metaphorically or real owls or cartoon owls or owl lunch boxes or all people with all t-shirts and stuff. I, and there are a lot of owls out there, believe me. Like it's like right up there with cats and dogs as far as something to put on a greeting card or a refrigerator magnet. So so I don't get I don't I'm very cautious not to like I'm not gonna start a new religion on this door. So um <laughs> but uh but the um but I did a hypnosis session with Yvonne Smith mm -hmm. in and I think we talked about this in the last episode and I wrote about it on my blog. I've talked about it publicly. I it's in my third book, but it it's happened in 2018, and I think it went August or September. I think it was August of 2018, and I um, and a lot of stuff happened in that session, like really heavy, transformative, deep stuff that I don't know whether it was real or not. But the but wow, it was a powerful session, and and. Uh, and before we started the session, I told Yvonne, I said, hey, when I'm under, when I'm under in this vulnerable place, whatever hypnosis is, when I'm, when you have access to whatever it is, my subconscious or my, or my higher self or my greater self, when I'm under in that spot, ask me what's up with the owls. And she said, sure, I'll do that. So we're like, we did this whole thing and all this stuff happens in the session and it's kind of heavy and wild and I quite don't, don't know quite what to think and we're talking about it a little bit while I'm still under she's asking me very pragmatic questions and just like you know what do you think it means or or you know what was what was told to you or what was conveyed to you or those kinds of things and and then out of the blue which I asked her to do out of the blue she says and Mike what is your connection to owls and I I kind of him and haw for a little bit now if you've ever listened to and I'm sure you have like listened to the actual audio recording of a hypnosis session they're they actually know what they are they're the easiest thing in the world to transcribe because the the hypnotherapist will ask really like and then what happened next they'll mm -hmm. talk really slowly so if you're typing you can transcribe it really easy and then there's a long pause and then the the you know the hypnosis patient will say things like it's very quiet or they'll say things like i'm not sure you know they'll if Right. Really quiet, slow. So it's so she asked me, and Mike, what is your connection to owls? Journeyers, apologies all around on behalf of our beautiful technology. Uh, we're having some issues with 
Mike's Wi-Fi. He, he may be in a touchy area at a touchy time or the gremlins know what we're getting ready to get into and said, oh, no, 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 can't talk about that. I don't know. I'm being a bit facetious, but nonetheless, Mike is back. New gear. The The sound's going to be a little bit different. You got, you guys know how it goes, but let's just get right to it. Mike, you dropped off when you were uh, so beautifully telling us about your hypnosis session with Yvonne Smith. And she was at the point where she was asking you, what is the significance of the owls? And I'm going to go ahead and quote if you don't mind, exactly what you said in this hypnosis session that we're going to dig right in. So here's what you said. You said, quote, when she asked that, what what's your association with owls? You said, I understand how people take in a story and how they need a symbol or a sign on the door, but the owl is meaningless to what is on the other side of the door. It's just the doorway that's important. The owl is the right symbol for the door. We are on this side and everything else is on that side of the door. There is a lot more. We are in this little tight hallway here. And on the other side of the door is this vastness. Now, I want to ask you a question. That's a pretty powerful quote, how you how you distilled it in your state, altered state at the time. You had the visual, the door that we saw, we just showed, mm-hmm. where you saw the owls and what appeared to be alien beings beneath the owls. That just happened recently, yes? Yes, that happened just last year. Yeah. Okay. The session in which I just quoted you happened when? August of 2018. Okay. So there we go. So the bottom line is three years earlier. Yeah. Okay. So the bottom line is you are addressing, interestingly, what you may have seen symbolically represented in of something that just happened recently you address the significance potentially prior to you seeing those owls in the door. Let's start, let's pick up there. What would you say to that? What would you say? How would you connect those two events? Um, I would say that there is dream logic in this where the, 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 where reality is acting more like a dream than than the reality that we're sort of taught in by our parents in the New York Times in the high school science class. That reality is much richer and much more complicated and much stranger. And so what we're what I feels like is that this is this feels more like a dream. Like the, the symbol on the door, there's the door right there. You can kind of see it in the background. The symbol on the door is is like it's vague and it has to be sort of percolated through my consciousness. And I'm good at seeing like paradelia. I'm really good. Like I, I'm an illustrator. Like I can see funny things in grains of, in woods. I can see bunny rabbits in clouds. I like can see manhole covers that look like someone smiling and stuff like that. So that's, that's in me. That happens all the time for me. Um, so, so like it's causation, right? So did the dream, excuse me, I called it a dream, which is so funny. I do that all the time. Did the hypnosis session foreshadow or predict this door where I would eventually be living that I stare at when I sit up in bed? Did the hypnosis session like predict that? Did it, did it see into the future? Or did the future right now, me presently, sort of manifest did i like did the giant chessboard of where i was moving in my life did i end up in this house with this door the same way a grand chess master would put the piece at the appropriate spot on the chessboard at just the right moment for the maximum impact in the i want to i don't even say win the game but in the sort of in the in the drama of the the chess match that's so, a big question. So yes, so two things are happening. And two I, things I are have happen- no way which is to know which is which. Right. I mean, we could we could uh theorize all day about what this is. And I think when we sort of lock ourselves in, <laughs> excuse me, when we sort of lock ourselves into this <clears throat> time space, you know, paradigm that we live in that's very compartmentalized, past comes before uh present and then future after that, space, you know, uh is somewhat confined as to how we understand it. 
we'll, we'll get lost. <laughs> we'll get lost in this matrix. Perhaps both are true. I would, here, here's, here's one thing that I could put out that you basically in that response to Yvonne under hypnosis gave this idea that although the owl is appearing on one side of the door, it's representing something that's far more vast on the other side of the door. You, I don't know how you came out of this hypnosis session trying to understand that, but it almost seems like that door that you would see a year or more, a couple of years later, illustrated that three years, for you, three years later. That's stunning to me. Illustrated exactly the point you were making that you're looking on one side, one very limited side, and you're seeing this representation on this side. But on the other side of that door is the vastness that can't be quantified. I, I don't know. It's just, it's fascinating. The other question I would have is, had you not had a history with owls and ET contact, would you have seen those owls and beings on the door, you think? So so that's hard to untangle all that stuff. I would have to say yes, because I see stuff all the time. And I have since I was a little kid. You know, I'm almost 60 and I still like, you know, I see stuff all the time and in stains on the ground and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And just just, you know, the stains on the coffee cup in the bottom of my coffee cup, I can see you know, eagles and stuff like that. So, so yes. Yeah. So I, so I would have to say that I would have seen that owl set of owls in those two aliens, those alien beings. And they're pretty, you know, they're, I mean, you can see them that you're looking at the imagery. They're not, Absolutely. they're not in there. And so, uh, and I, when I, so that I was trying to make the point before we got cut off that when you do a hypnosis session, you talk in this really stuttery, staggered quiet broken kind of way when i gave that little set that that when i when i allowed when, whenever when that came out of me the owls aren't important the owls are a symbol on a door when that came out of me it sounded completely different when you listen to it to transcribe it it sounds completely different i sound like like a, a radio announcer speaking clearly confidently and then i go right back at the end into this uh, uh, little broken chatter that's normal for someone under hypnotic regression what sense do you get about your connection with owls i get that the owl isn't important the owl is like a symbol or like a sign on a door and the this, it's just the sign on the door, and what's behind the door is what's important. Mm -hmm. And it's just a. And for some reason, I'm like an artist or something like that, and I know, but they don't know, or I don't know how to. It's like I. I understand that you. Like there's a. There's a. Like this, like, I understand how people, like I, like I understand how people take in a story and how they, they need a symbol or a sign on the door. Mm -hmm. But the owl is like, meaningless to what's on the other side of the door. It's just the doorway that's important. Mm -hmm. The owl's the right symbol for the door. But the, the door is the like like we're on this side and the door is everything else on that side and there's a lot more. Like we're in this little tight hallway here. And on the other side of the door is this this vastness. So I asked later, years later, I got, got a hold of Yvonne. I said, was I channeling? Was I channeling? That's that was my sounds? question. Yes, that's what I was thinking. And she said, well, she correctly said, like, maybe. There's no way to know. How do you know? 
maybe. <laughs> like I didn't say this is coming from my space brother, you know, Quentar or anything like that. I, I said that, you know, I just flowed out of me. But it was interesting. She asked a question. I responded. And I also like at that point in my life and still now, like it's like my daily life is owls, owls, owls. People contact me all the time with their owl stories. I'm responding to owl stories. I'm seeing real owls in real life all the time. I'm <laughs> I'm so like the owl thing is no joke for me. Like it's like it's it's at the forefront of my day-to-day -day life. And for me to say when she asked, so Mike, what is your connection to owls? And for me to answer, for me to answer her without hesitation by saying, the owls aren't important. Like, that's not how my life is. Like the owls are important. That's how I've like, you know, that's, that's my avenue of inquiry. That's my, focus of my research so to that I said exactly the opposite in my in my unconscious from my unconscious said exactly the opposite of what my day-to-day -day consciousness would have said hmm. so so that struck me as really powerful and then just and I and I have always I've written about it and I talk about it sometimes to the point of annoyance I think that I struggle with the fact that there's two things there's these literal things that happen right little owls show up in literal people's lives they see real owls and then there's this metaphoric stuff that happens well the owl that they saw in real life is then connected to this metaphoric thing often a I'm going to say it often a spiritual awakening or often an, uh, an awakening experience in someone's life is punctuated by by an owl plus mm -hmm. all the there's other things that are connected too I mean I you know, owls and death and owls and hmm. shamanism and owls and psychedelic journeys. And so there's these other things that are connected with owls too, mm -hmm. but, but that I, but that it emerged in that way, really in the under hypnosis really gave me a positive thing. Pause for thought. All right. Thank you for that. I want to go back to the pareidolia because something occurred to me again, just a question. You, I ask you that if you had not had this connection with owls, this part of your personality, would you have seen the images on the door? You say yes. Here's I'm going to throw a twist into this. Had you not had the connection with owls that you do, I'll, I'm going to rephrase the question. Would those images of owls and ET beings have been there? Now, don't answer that question. I want to read you something. I really want to take this to a level of mm -hmm. almost like a holographic idea that reality is very plastic. It's malleable and it responds to not only our conscious, but our unconscious beingness. I don't know if you're familiar with something called the uh, the faces of Belmez. <clears throat> this has to do with a haunted house. This is very interesting. I didn't know until yesterday when I was researching for our show. Uh, it, a haunted house in Spain. I'm going to read uh, a, a, just a little caption. If you can bear with me, bear with me, audience, because this, we'll be able to connect some dots here about my question. Let me read this to you. And I want to give credit right off the bat to uh, the author who is Amber Blaze. Uh, she wrote a great article. I believe it's a sheet <clears throat> on medium.com. And I, this is where I plucked rather than retelling the story. I'm just going to read from her. She says, in August of 1971, Maria Gomez Camara claimed she noticed a weird stain on her concrete kitchen floor, which over the next few days began to form what appeared to be a human-looking face. Even more disturbing was the fact that she claimed it also appeared to have changed positions. Maria tried to scrub the stain to remove it, and when this failed, Maria's husband, Juan Perea, sorry if I'm pronouncing wrong, and their son Miguel destroyed the image with a pickaxe and new concrete was laid down. However, a new face formed on the floor within days. The mayor of Belmez was informed and forbade the destruction of the new face. Instead, the floor concrete was cut out and taken for study. They reconcreted it and thought that was the end of it. Within a week, not only had the face reappeared, but more had also formed. Naturally, as word spread about the strange stains that looked like faces, people started to flock to Maria's house, and the parapsychology experts weren't far behind. Scientists also stepped in to verify their authenticity and test whether they were paintings or some other chemical orchestrated by Maria. 
The kitchen was closed off under the supervision of a notary, and three months later, when they left with no answers, the faces were still there. The painting theory was ruled out, and no conclusive evidence could pinpoint the cause of how the faces were reappearing. Now, here's the kicker. <clears throat> In April of the following year, Professor de Argamosa traveled from Madrid to Belmez after hearing about the case. He announced that he had found several historic documents reporting that a 17th century governor of Granada, born in Belmez, had murdered five members of a local family. The whereabouts of the murder site were vague, but it was believed to have taken place either very nearby or in the Piera household. There. So, in the question that I asked, would those images have been there had you not had a, a, a tan more than a tangential relationship with owls? I'm talking about can something that is inanimate actually have a form of sentience or in or be a, or include a form of sentience showing up on the external external parts of reality at times according to certain circumstances maybe they wouldn't have been there maybe the wood grain would have interestingly been different do you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. all right guys thanks for bearing with me because i know i'm doing a lot of talking but i wanted to get that story out so you guys could hear it this is something deeply metaphysical and holographic frankly possibly Reality is acting as a dream. It's presenting me with these mythic symbolic images the same way they would show up in a dream. You know, like reality is presenting me with, with a symbol on a door. Um, and I mean, I think if I was like doing some other kind of research, whether I was, which is plenty of like other symbolic things, I could be researching bears or, or deer or, or wolves or eagles and and i'm certain if i put that energy out into the universe if i like if i had a strong focus and put that energy out into the universe i am certain that the universe would then reflect that back to me um so if if i was doing eagles i think i would find eagle imagery everywhere if i was researching bears the bear imagery would reflect back to me and i'm so so would i have a bear image on a door if I was researching bears, I would argue quite probably if it wasn't a door, it would be some other thing that would well up in, in a way that I could not ignore it, right? So I cannot ignore the door that I face when I sit up in bed. So uh, so I I would argue, yes, that's, that's the mm -hmm. stuff that's out there. That's the stuff that's waiting to happen. That's the stuff that's waiting to well up in real life. It's showing up symbolically in real life. A symbol of an owl is showing up symbolically. Owls often show up literally in real life. I just read a book. Um, I want to be cautious because it's a, it was a book about a woman who hiked the Appalachian Trail. I want to be cautious not to use her name. I, I'll go ahead. Her name is Heather Anderson. She wrote a book about uh, hiking the entire Appalachian Trail. She she has the for, for a while, I'm not sure what's going on right now. She had the fastest known time for doing the entire Appalachian Trail. It's an interesting book. And but at the end, she's going through this sort of transformative experience where she's realizing that she actually did something powerful to, to break this record. And she also um, was full of doubts heading into this trip, was full of fears heading into this trip, and those had 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 ended with the end of the trip. Now, I think I got to be careful. If it wasn't the last day, it was the second to the last day. But on the last day or the second to the last day of this long trip, hiking from Maine to Georgia, she's in Georgia. She's getting close to the finale, you know, the final, she's being getting close to being done. And the trail is overrun by bears. She's like, why are there no people on this trail? And she walks past the sign and she looks at it backwards. So she can't even see the sign. She's got to turn around and look at it. And it says this trail has been closed due to high bear activity. But she's on the trail. And then she starts seeing bears everywhere. Hmm. So if you, the totem animal of the bear is transformation, right? The bear hibernates. The bear metaphorically dies every fall and metaphorically is reborn every spring when it comes out of its den. So, so there is a death and rebirth transformation symbology in this bear. And if I was a fiction writer, I would have written it 
with those mythic symbolic elements in that story. It's a real story. It really happened. She was confronted with bears, lots of bears. Like it was sort of almost comical at the end. She's like, oh, there's a bear here. There's a bear there. They're all over the trail. <laughs> and, and so reality is acting like a myth, right? She goes through a total transformation. She is not shy about it. It's in the book. It is unquestionable. She has, she has, she, she, uh, I, I don't want to give too much away about the book, but she had so many insecurities. And at the end, she overcame those insecurities and it's a powerful story. And that is the, is the metaphoric symbolism of the bear right there, plain as can be. So I'm so fascinated by this. And so she didn't have to look at a, at a wood grain and see a bear. There was a real bear there. I, I'm seeing lots of owls. I see plenty of owls. There's owls I can hear right out this window in front of me every night. So, um, but there's, uh, you know, the door I had to, I had to, which I'm good at. And that's, that's very well suited to me, right? So if God or the angels or the myth makers or the aliens or whoever wanted to orchestrate it and put that door in place, they would have made it a puzzle. It would have been too easy if they just put a big poster of an owl on the back of the door. It was, that would have been too simple. So I had to peer into the nothingness of the wood grain and the owls had to make themselves known to me. I, 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 maybe someone else would see it too, but wow, did it pop out at me? I'm sure. You know, as I'm listening to you talk, Mike, there's one word that comes to mind, one concept that is a one that's readily debated in our circles. The operative word is consciousness, human consciousness, intelligent, you know, the consciousness of, of, of sentient beings. And as you talk about this sort of feedback mechanism that reality or, or what we call external reality can often present, I call it a feedback mechanism because could it be that all there really is is consciousness confirming itself through the external world? Uh, it, it, again, going back to this idea of reality being malleable, being plastic, being... Uh, able to be formed, but what is what is forming it? Is it simply consciousness? It's like you know, oh God, there there are multiple examples of the images that people see. Particularly, if there's a consensus about what they see, matching the emotional state of what's happening at the time. Let's take the famous devil in the the smoke after the 9/11 attacks on the World Trade Center. Uh, really, really stunning. There, this seemed, obviously this was so long ago at this point, but uh, everybody was talking about it and everyone had their own theory as to what it was and why it was. But the bottom line is there was a consensus, but at the same time, what was going on? There was this elevated sense of, of horror, of anger in some cases, of high emotional state. Therefore, a really, really potent form of consciousness, collective consciousness, would it be any surprise that a manifestation that represented that consciousness would show up? And that's why I say, I, I, or I don't say, I ask whether, to what extent we play a role in what we're seeing and are we literally forming it? These are all excellent questions. I mean, so the owl is a very personal thing for me. It shows up very personally on my bedroom door. 9-11 was a collective thing for not only the country, but the whole world, it manifests with a with a with a symbolic archetype, the devil in the smoke. That seems now I'm at the point now where that seems normal. That is appropriate. That is how things are working and should work and do work. That's what happened. The the you know these things are meant to happen. They arise out of our collective intention. So it's funny, consciousness, like I, I actually, my second book was originally going to have consciousness in the title. And I, as it was getting close to the end, I saw an interview with Edgar Mitchell. He was still alive at the time. And he's, and in the interview, he said, you know, he's runs the, he started the Institute of Noetic Sciences. He was one of the founders of it. And he said, you know, consciousness you know, there are people studying consciousness. We don't have a good definition of what consciousness actually is. And I was like, like, wow, like, here's someone 
at the forefront of this kind of research cannot give a definition of what consciousness is. So that like, which I guess is the same thing. It's hard to give a definition of what God is. It's hard to give a definition of what the universe is. It's like all these, there are these switch spirituality, you know, like what is, what, like how, so I changed it. I took consciousness out of the title and I said, um, uh, it's deeper reality. I put deeper reality into the title of my second book. And the, uh, so you said like, is, is everything sentient, right? So is every, that's kind of the, I'm not a physicist, right? But it's my understanding, like if you really get a powerful microscope and look at a tiny, tiny, tiny atom, there's nothing there. Just a little bit of swirling energy, just a little particle of energy swirling around. There's there's nothing there. Matter is something, right? Matter is a word that that you use in science class and physics class and stuff like that. Matter is like has a definition. But when you take it all apart and look at it really, really closely, there's nothing there. It's empty space. That's so right. 99.9% .9 empty space. But that's like the that's what is that little fluff of energy, right? Is that God? I mean, that little teeny speck that's in the table in front of me that I'm touching matter with my knuckles right there. Is that energy? Is that God? Now I'm going to get, so I, this is going to tell you a little bit about myself. I think it was Fritoff Capra, who was a physicist, wrote mm -hmm. a book, I think in the eighties. And I read it I can't remember the Tao of Physics. I think that's what the it's Tao of Physics. I have, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's in that book, but if it's not in that book, it's in like one of the books that I was reading at the same time I read that book. And he said, Great at book. some point, some scientist is going to invent a, a microscope, right? And they're going to get smaller and smaller and smaller, and they'll be able to zoom in on, and the fabric of reality, they'll find out what the building blocks of reality will be. And he, it was sort of kind of a parable almost the way he told it. And he said, what if, the, what if the building block of reality is love? And I remember thinking like, like that's how I'm going to live my life. Like given that parable, given that it was like kind of a witty speculation on his part. And I'm like, I'll, I'll buy that. Right. So that I'll say, yeah, yeah. So that love is a form of consciousness. Love is a very, I would say a form, elevated form of consciousness. And then, so if that's the building block of reality, which if, I mean, you could, this would be something you could almost talk about in Sunday school class, right? So that would be a very benevolent definition of God. And so I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. That it's so, so I have tried unsuccessfully at times, but I've tried to sort of live my life thinking that, like underneath it all, the, the glue is something benevolent and magical and hopeful that holds us all together. I got way off track as far as your question, but that's, that, That's okay. And that traces right back to this, to this magic. Um, someone, when I worked on, oh someone asked me on some podcast, after I did the first book, I did a lot of podcasts and someone asked me like, you know, how has your life changed since this book came out? And I, or since your research, let me put it that way. How has your life changed since doing this research on owls and UFOs, which is just basically I'm inter researching, uh, paranormal mystical experiences in the guise of UFOs and in the guise of these totem animals that show up. He, had, he said, you know, how's your life changed? And I thought for a while and I said, I now live in a magical universe. Mm -hmm. And so, and I believe that's real. Like, I'm not joking where I'm, I'm saying, I believe, I can't prove it, but I believe that these mystical, metaphoric, symbolic things well up in our experiences well up in our real life and it happens for everyone i'm just nutty enough that i'm like hyper focused and i'm seeing it you know so so this is this is where i'm at in as far as my own headspace doing this research so honestly when i saw the owl on the back of the door it was like so i'm used to like synchronicities they invade my life all the time i get really big ones monstrous ones and i get these kind of like you know kind of the, the what do you call it, the background noise of synchronicity this this thing on the door was like way down on the list. This was like a grade C kind of moment for me. You know, like, oh, yeah, one more like funny owl thing. Yeah, really? So, I was going to say, what was your problem. response? There had to be a little bit of, oh. Well, there is. Was... So, so I say this, I, I, I'm still in awe 
of the of the phenomena when i say the phenomena the synchronistic magic i'm in awe of it but i but i can't allow myself to be bowled over by it i lived my life where i was being bowled over for i was unhealthy in those years where i was being where i was there were so many synchronicities that i just it, it i i questioned my sanity there were so many synchronicities this would have been in between about 2006 and 2013 it's a really hard time for me and and then I think I was putting frenetic energy out into the universe. I was, I couldn't deal with the fact that that this involved me, that there was something going on, that it was so intense, that it was manifesting in all these synchronicities, and and then I I calmed down. I basically had a I had a powerful I had what I called a confirmation experience where I was like, okay, the UFO experiences in my life are real. There's no doubt about it. <clears throat> that turned off the wheel in my head that said, is this happening? Is this happening? This can't be happening. This is not real. Once I had that, that, that tape loop got shut off and I was much calmer. The synchronicities were still happening, but they were much calmer synchronicities. I was putting out calm energy into the universe. Calm synchronicities were reflecting back at me. So once again, I did the thing where I, you asked a question, I went all around the block and no, it's all related to me. I, I mean, these conversations just lend themselves to going into so many different levels. So that's fine. I keep hearing the word reflection again. I keep hearing the word reflection. And in my head, I keep hearing we, how can I say this? It's so tempting to think that we're the center of the universe, right? So don't, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying or implying that we are the center of this situation. And yet, if reality is nothing more than a mirror for our consciousness, then all of what we see externally or what we think we see is our center at that moment. It's a reflection. It's a reflection. Can I give you an example? And by the way, just for the record, is it so? I'm I'm basically a uh, synesthete. I, I have or I'm known to uh, have symptoms of synesthesia. And I'm also one who sees images and, and patterns incessantly. Like I cannot not see uh, images. I'll give you an example of one <clears throat> which was interesting. This was the first election of Barack Obama, the initial, his initial term. And we remember all the hoopla around that. It was just a... Greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it was such, uh, there was so much hype, so much talk. It was all about mm -hmm. him. We had actually gone to the inauguration because, yeah, at the time we were somewhat politically involved. <laughs> anyway, I remember coming back from some festivities and I was in a bathroom, let's just say, that had a shower curtain. And everywhere I looked in that shower curtain, I saw his face. Barack Obama's face. Everywhere. Like unmistakably. And, and, and it would also seem to shift expressions. Now, again, this is not a political conversation at all. And I, I'm not even necessarily a fan of his or not. It, it, it just was what it is, what it is. It was what it was. And that's what I saw. Again, what, and the only reason why I'm bringing it up is to what degree does our focus and or emotional state have to do with what it is we see or think we see? Are we even shaping literally the fabric of the shower curtain, literally shaping the wood grain in the door or the clouds themselves based on what we're thinking? I don't expect you to have a definitive answer, but these are the types of things that I've often pondered in that phrase, that, that elemental phrase that says reality is plastic. If re reality is plastic, then all bets are off as far as I'm concerned. The answer could very well be yes. You? <clears throat> I see reality as acting as a dream with dream symbolism, right? So if I'm seeing the grand script writers of reality, right? The people, the people who are typing away at the writing the script, they're writing it for maximum drama. And I often say this, I see like, like I have these real life situations in it. And I'm like, like if, if, if I was the script writer, let's say for the X-Files, and I wrote some of the things that have happened in my life, the executive producer would have every reason to come into the script writing room and say, uh, tone that down. It's like unbelievable. No one's going to buy that. It's too much. It's like, 
got to make it subtle, right? But it's not subtle. The stuff that's happening in my life is like, like getting, you know, hit over the head with a frying pan a lot of the times where, where it's not subtle at all. Um, <clears throat> are you familiar with Dr. Kirby Surprise? He wrote a book called Synchronicity. I should know that name. It's a wonder. It's a wonderful book. Okay. Short little book. It's a great book. He's a he's a just called Synchronicity. It's just called it's synchronicity. synchronicity. Dr. Kirby Surprise, which is a great name for someone writing a book on synchronicity. And he um, he's had his own powerful synchronicities. And I, co I contacted him and talked with him when I was doing the research on my book. And I, I recorded the conversation. There's a whole chapter in my first book where it's the conversation I had with him. It was this great conversation. And I was I was in that place that I was describing earlier, where I was like frenetic. And, and, and he was the one, and I'm paraphrasing him when I say things like, you know, if we're putting the energy out, like I'm putting highly charged energy out into the world, UFOs, owls, those are both powerful symbolic totems. I'm putting that energy out into the world. It is being reflected right back at me. He said, which I think is a wonderful quote, he said, we are all just parakeets in the cage, pecking away at the mirror, not realizing it's our own reflection. That was good. I was like, I think I was like, wow, that really, he's, he's really poetic like that. And he, um, and then also you said that, um, like, kind of said, well, I don't want to like make this like on the center of the world or like say it like that. You kind of said that like it was an apology. Yes. But if we're, if it's our consciousness, if it's in our individual consciousness, we are, I am the center of my world. Like I can only see the world as if I'm in the center of it. Like I can look at the New York Times and read the newspaper and think about world events and, and kind of see there's this global thing, but I'm filtering it through me. So, so all of us individually, every single person on the planet is the center of the world. So, so that's, that's fair in my assessment to say, you know, yes. And, and then I guess there would be a collective consciousness too that must be powered or imbued with, with all those individual consciousnesses. Mm -hmm. kind of, that would be Carl Jung's collective unconscious or collective right. consciousness. I can't, no, I can't remember which one it is. I guess it's I think collective unconscious, the collective, yeah. that's what he spoke, and, I think, most about. Yeah. And so, so, and that's where we get these archetypal images. That's where we get these things like the devil image, these things that are imbued with, with archetypal power or mm -hmm. the owl image or the bear or all of these things are imbued with it, with a with a metaphoric archetypal power. Reality is amazing. Will we ever figure it out? Should we need to, I, you know, we have to be content with the question because we'll make ourselves crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, so. absolutely. And I think it's in, there's substance in just the questioning because it's inviting reality to share a little bit more of itself with us. So uh, we're going to wind down. We had to do this kind of in two parts. I'll, we'll, we'll put this all together in post. I was saying to Mike after he just froze and dropped off and i'm like it's not even mercury retrograde my god what's going on yeah i know our technology just isn't perfect but i'm glad you could come back to join us um you've got the messengers we're talking about your books stories from the messengers and then is there a third book there's now? a third book called hidden experience yeah. hidden, and the hidden experience is the was a memoir of sorts created mostly through blog posts which actually give a very chronological diary of my coming to terms with my experiences. Mm -hmm. Wow. You've had quite, quite a chronology, quite a journey. And I, I have a feeling it will continue. Yours is your, you know, you're courageous for sharing your adventure. And I know that you've been helpful to other people in recognizing their own. Um, this is just how reality works, guys, and how we work. And so people like Mike Cleland, who are uh, willing and able to share his journey, helps us. It becomes a reflection, perhaps, for our own. So for that, we thank you. Tell us where folks can find your work. I know it's it's a blog spot, but give us the full name. The blog I have is called Hidden Experience, all one word. And then I also have a site, which is kind of a umbrella site. You can go there and it'll link you to other sites called um, mikecleland.com. So my name, Mike Cleland, all one word. And if you really want to simplify it, you can just Google UFOs, owls, and I am the very first thing that comes up in about the next 20 things below that. So you'll be able to find me through there. Awesome. 
Well, we'll make and you can sure, connect with me from any of those sites. Great. We'll make sure to have links as as per usual. But you know what? For those that you that are regular listeners and watchers, you know where we're going next. We're going to continue a little longer over on Patreon for the after show. So we're going to sign off on the main show for now, unless you have any last words as we close down this very, very uh, just fascinating discussion. Any closing words, any closing messages for those that may be dealing with uh, pareidolia, synchronicity? We haven't talked about the ET contact thing too much, but I think it's sort of embedded in this whole conversation. But what I, would I our audience with? ET is contact I, is too simplistic a term. I think it's much more mysterious and much more mystical and elusive than that I do, it, indeed. That's a two, yeah so i guess be content with the be content with the questions because the answers are very difficult and it's like trying to an answer is like shifting sand you may have one answer on a monday and it might just erode away by tuesday and a new question and a new answer will arise so um yeah just be content with the with the mystery and 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 then, as I said, be in awe of the magic of these things. I love just it. Just be real careful not to let it cripple your life. That is absolutely brilliant advice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We all can be reminded of that. We live in a society that pushes us to find answers. And I think that may be the wrong incentive. You know, uh, although it was um, Richard Feynman who said, uh, it does no harm to the mystery to know a little bit about it. It does no harm to the mystery to know a little bit about it. I would alter that a little bit by saying it does no harm to the mystery to question it. So, and be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And be okay with saying, I don't know. So, And to listen carefully when people share their stories. We got a, we got a whole bunch of stuff to be reminded about. Let's live our lives, particularly now when we're, we're so many people have uh, opinions and are defending them with their, with their life on every given thing. Um, humility, let that come back into play. I think what you're talking about is humility really in this walk. That is, uh, that is ours for sure. Um, and, and with compassion and love. And I don't know that we can go wrong with those ingredients. So with that, Mike Cleland, uh, thank you so much, ever so much for coming back uh, to us and sharing your wisdom with us. We're going to go over to Patreon and continue going there. And if you feel so inclined, Journeyers, we'd love to have you. It, of course, supports uh, the uh, ongoingness of the show, uh, which is very helpful. And we got some good stuff over there. And it's going to build right now with uh, our next segment with Mike Cleland in the after show. So, Mike, hang on. We're going to going over there right now. As I say, the door is open. And for now, I'm going to sign off with the journeyers and uh, we'll see you next time on Higher Journeys. Thanks for joining us.